0: Welcome back to the Jote Show here on the Dion Family Network. This is episode 10 and today all we got is some bubble playoff action. I'm behind a week so we got a lot to catch up on. And there's going to be a full NFL preview coming out Wednesday. A little bonus episode before the season starts. As the season goes on, uh, episodes are going to keep coming out Friday, Monday. Monday I haven't really decided. I might do... Monday maybe right after Monday night game but we'll see we'll see how the season goes if it even can make the full season but I wanted to start let's start in the NHL because again week behind uh so a lot of this is kind of old news but I still wanted to talk about it just a little bit first up we've got uh Tampa Bay beating Boston game five eliminating the Bruins from the playoffs I know everybody loved that I mean it's because the Bruins are good. I mean, I hope that's what their fans realize, is that we're jealous of their success, even if it's not always a Stanley Cup. Pretty even game, double overtime. Uh, Pasternak, Palat, trade goals in the second. Uh, Krejci and Anthony Sorelli to trade goals in the third. And then Victor Hedman in double overtime with Pat Maroon with the big screen out in front. I think for Boston the real thing looking forward is clearly their fans and a lot of people are upset had to go ask for i can not you can't call it bailing on his team it's he he left for family like emergency like but if they really don't want him i think they should get rid of him cuz i think you don't if you don't know how good you have it in that i think you deserve to lose him but i think with a lot of these teams i There's a lot of talk, especially in Leafland, about panic. I think this is a playoffs where Boston got eliminated on August 31st. This is where, at this point, football's about to start, baseball's in full swing, and basketball isn't even a thought at this point of the year, usually. But I don't think this is the year to really panic. Uh, Next game that day, we got uh, Colorado saving their season in game five, six, three over Dallas. This was Ben Bishop and net and an onslaught in the first period from Colorado. Pierre Edward Belmar, Andre Burakovsky, Nathan McKinnon, Nazem Kadri, Mikkel Rantanen all score in the first period. Second period, Burakovsky scores again. Then Dallas starts coming back. Pavelski, Heiskanen, who Heiskanen has been arguably one of the best defensemen in the playoffs. I, I, if you think about it right now, him and Quinn Hughes, really, they had stellar playoffs, and they're both under 23 years old, 22 years old. It's a bright future. Uh, no goals in the third for Colorado. Jamie Benn adds one. Dallas survives. I think the best part about this, and this is, we'll get to it as the series goes on, but getting the win for Colorado with uh, Grubauer injured and Pavel Francouz not really playing that strong, the win goes to Michael Hutchinson, the Maple Leafs cast-off goaltender. Uh, next day up, September 1st, Flyers there save their season in Game 5 in overtime. No goals in the first. Uh, Barzell scores in the second for the Islanders, responded by Giroux and Van Riemsdyk. Uh Brock Nelson, Matt Niskanen, Derek Broussard trading goals. And then Scott Lawton with the winner, I think. The Islanders were dominating the series, and I think pushing it to overtime was a big momentum swing for the Flyers, especially getting that big win and getting someone like Scott Lawton off the schneid who hadn't scored since the round robin. It's round two. Uh, Next up, Vancouver saves their season. Thatcher Demko steps up, plays huge for Vancouver. No goals in the first. Brock Besser, Shea Theodore trade goals in the second Elias Petterson with the goal in the the winning goal in the third and an empty netter that Bo Horvat scored right at the buzzer. Guess it didn't count, but it's all right. It's not gonna no sweat off their back. They get to move on to Game Six. Vegas again. This is they've probably been the best team in the playoffs, but the real debate is who do you start in net? And I think we realized that throughout the series. And last night in Game One, they just they really don't know it's kind of it's a toss-up between two goalies that I mean it's a good problem to have but you have two good goalies and you don't know who's going to play well on a particular night next up again Colorado saves their season uh, Nikita Zadorov and Heiskinen trading goals in the first period and then all Colorado from there Kale Makar, Miko Rantanen, uh, Makar was in the second and then Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon finish it off in the third again. Hutchinson versus Hudobin, a playoff matchup I don't think a lot of us would have expected. The Aves pushed it to seven, though. They've Their offense was streaky, and game five and six was the perfect time for their streak. Uh, next up, two teams again saving their season. Flyers win in double overtime. Uh, first period, Derek Broussard gives the Islanders... Early lead, or actually no, Flyers get the early 2 nothing lead. Kevin Hayes, James Van Riemsdyk, Van Riemsdyk, back-to-back games, back-to-back goals. The guy who's kind of been a cast-off with this Flyers team. Besardi gets one back, second period, Raffle, Matt Martin, Anders Lee, Matt Barzell. Kind of looks like the Flyers season's over, going into the third. Scott Lawton saves them. First overtime, nothing. A thrilling, exciting game. These two teams are so uh, even. Just so well coached, so good defensively that it's shocking that this game was 5-4. Ivan Provorov against eventually getting a winner in double overtime and pushing it to 7. This is, it's not what people expected, especially when you look at the next team up. Vancouver beats Vegas 4-0. Robin Leonard again in net. Jake Vertanen scores in the first. JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, Bo Horvat seal the win for Vancouver. They get the Game 7 chance. All the teams that went up, when the last time I recorded I'll expect through my notes, the Flyers were down 3-1. Vancouver was down 3-1. Colorado was down 3-1. And they all kind of seemed like they were dead in the dirt, but they all pushed it to seven. They all really showed what playoff hockey is all about. Finally, uh, actually not finally, but we got two game sevens. Uh, Dallas, Colorado, first period, uh, M- Nomestikov. Rajilov scoring early goals. Berkovsky adds one halfway through the period. Uh, the second period, and this is where this really starts, Nazem Kadri scores. And Joel Kiviranta, I hope I'm saying that right, scores. His first goal of the playoffs, Brookie steps in and is huge. Third period is absolutely pandemonium. Rajulov scores. And then Mestikov scores. Ten seconds later, Kiviranta scores. And we're all tied up at four. Overtime was just nonsense. This, especially for Dallas, who's such a good defensive team, and not that Colorado isn't, but you can just see that their skill is really, and like they're just, even like Kale McCarr, Samuel Girard, their two top defensemen are offensive defensemen. <laughs> Eventually, Keith uh first ever rookie. To score a hat trick in a game seven, wins in an overtime, eliminates the avalanche, and again, I've been saying it for most of these playoffs now. The Stanley Cup final we deserve this year is Dallas and the Islanders, because that's gonna be that would be a thriller. We'll get there though. Game seven, Vancouver has to play the back to back, lose to Vegas 3 0. Thatcher Demko, even mm-hmm. with the alleged story about uh uh the team Sneaking in professional dancers, I'm just gonna want to call it. Uh, Don't know if it's true. Even if it's not, it's still pretty funny. Uh, Demko though, just this Vegas team is too deep, too good. They Shea Theodore, Alex Tuck, Paul Stastny, Robin Leonard. They gave him the start in Game Seven. I think that's the right call. If that's that's your guy, you should ride him to the fullest. Even. Even on these back-to-backs, I really don't get it. It's playoff hockey. I know goalies don't play back-to-backs, but if it's the playoffs, every game matters. You don't want to lose a game just because you played your backup. I mean, in Vegas' case, your backup is Marc-Andre Fleury, who's a very established goalie. But but Vancouver, Colorado, their seasons are over. I think those two teams have such a bright future, and I really can't wait to see them face each other in the playoffs because I think that would be a great series, especially – Another year older for all those guys: McKinnon, Ranton and Even on the other side, Quinn Hughes, Bo Horvat, Pedersen. I think those teams are those two teams are built for the next decade to win. And final game seven, and the second round, the Islanders just dismantle the the Islanders dismantle the Flyers four nothing. Scott Mayfield, Andy Green, both picking up goals in the first. Brock Nelson in the second, Anthony Povolier in the third, Thomas Grice, again, backup goalie. Barlama was looking a little shaky in those last two games. I think it was the right call. 16-17 save shutout, and just uh, hilarious. Uh, He posted on, I think it was his Instagram story after the game of uh, Ralph from the Simpsons saying, I'm helping, because that Islanders team is just so good defensively that like what do you even how do you even stop them it's near impossible so now we got conference finals Dallas Vegas in the west Islanders Lightning in the east all in Edmonton which i think i guess you could say is the right move but i guess having them all in one place makes it easier obviously no travel but uh Islanders Lightning is tonight game 1 Last night we had Dallas-Vegas, which if you just look at it, one nothing win. John Klingberg scores in the first period, two thirty six into the game. Anton Hudobin, his first career playoff shutout. And Vegas' goalie. And I wrote about it when I wrote about game one, that Vegas seemed to have their answer. They picked Robin Leonard, and that was, that was going to be their guy. And then they go and start Flurry game one. I don't – like they lost – they lost one nothing. It's not like they got blown out, but I don't know. To me, it's just a, a weird, a, just a weird call that you want to stick with Leonard. You stuck with him as you blew a three one series lead, and eventually came back and won. I think game two, you have to start Robin Leonard if you're Vegas. Not even because Flurry played bad. He didn't. He let in one goal, and it was a good shot by Klingberg. you got to stick and ride with momentum, and momentum right now is with Robin Leonard. Game two goes down tomorrow, Tuesday, September the 8th, Uh, but let's talk about tonight. Tonight we've got Islanders-Lightning game one, and I think this is definitely going to be a rest versus rust situation. Tampa Bay has had a whole week off since they beat Boston in that double overtime game really Islanders though I don't know if they need a rest if you just if you look at that team I'm actually I want to pull up their team like just their lineups right now shout out to Daily Faceoff Daily Faceoff is the best but just this if you sack them up on paper especially once you know that uh Tampa Bay is not going to have Stamkos for the series they haven't had him all playoffs but I think having him for a series like this is such a boost but if you look at that if you look at this lineup for the Islanders, as much as they're a defensive team, this is this is a great lineup. So you go Anders Lee, Matt Barzell, Jordan Eberle. Barzell carries the play. Eberle was just – he was snake-bitten in the last few games of that series. Anders Lee has just been such a reliable scorer and a great captain for their team. Barzell, yeah, carries the play. Second line, Anthony Beauvilliers, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey all guys who besides beauvilier have kind of always been on the islanders and they haven't really performed that well but it's just, it's such a good second line and even if you look at their if you go to daily faceoff and you look at their ratings that first line it's the 15th best first line the second line 23rd even you go to the third line derek Broussard, jean gabriel pajot and uh michael Cole, 27th And then that fourth line, which they brought back together—Matt Martin, Casey Sezakis, and Cal Clutterbuck—they've just—they've been together for so long, and they just—they play—they play play their own way. And I think the real underrated thing about this Islanders team, because I think their goaltending is like average at best. Semyon Varlamov again looked shaky in those last few games, and. Thomas Grice, they're both just serve, service goal goalies. But if you look at their defense, that first pair, Adam Pellick, Ryan Pulock, which amazing that they put them together because that's so hard to say back-to-back. And then second pair, Devin Tav- Devon Taves and Scott Mayfield, just solid players. Mayfield scored in that game seven. Then that bottom pair is Nick Letty and Andy Green. Those are two guys that Nick Letty was on those Blackhawk teams in the early like the 2010 or twenty. Like probably thirteen or fourteen, and then was eventually moved. Andy Green was on those New Jersey Devil teams for the longest time, just a veteran presence around those younger defensemen because those top four guys they're all pretty young. Adam Pellick I like I remember him playing in junior, and that was only really a few years ago. And this team eventually is gonna get Noah Dobson to add to probably the Nick Letty Andy Green spot. I think this team just defensively, and then of course you look at. Barry Trotz is such a good coach, and has them playing. You you want to say it's a system, but it it works, and they're defensively sound, and they capitalize on scoring chances. Then you look over at this Tampa Bay team again. They're missing Steven Stamkos, but it's not like they're like completely horrible and like dead in the water. At top line, Andre Platt, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov. Braden Point has been one of the best players in these playoffs. And I don't think a lot of people expected it. I know I didn't really. And of course, Nikita Kucherov, our Trophy winner, one of the best players in this league. And then that second line still, Alex Kalorn, Anthony Sorelli, Tyler Johnson, whatever you want to say about Kalorn and Tyler Johnson being overpaid. They're still performing in the playoffs. They're still here. And... I mean, like even the third line, Barkley, Goodrow, Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, just a good, just good lines all around. The fourth line, I think, is a little Patrick Moon, Cedric Paquette, and then they have Luke Shen kind of in like a placeholder, really a seventh defenseman. I think if you added Stamkos back to that lineup, I I don't know where you put him. I know it's it's weird to say it's Steven Stamkos, but I guess you maybe put him in that second line spot where Tyler Johnson is but then you kind of got to move people around and I think it would throw off the the way that team's playing I mean even if you look at that that like Luke Shen is your seventh defenseman it's pretty good you got Victor Hedman, Zach Bogosian, Hedman I'd say in my opinion is the best defenseman in the league Bogosian is a serviceable right shot defenseman second pair Ryan McDonough, Eric Chernak just a really solid pair. Turnak was playing with Hedman for a lot of the year. Then that third pair, Mikhail Serg- Sergachev and Kevin Shattenkirk. Like, that left side of defense. Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev. That's a lethal one, two, three. And, sure, Hedman can play 30 minutes a night, but he doesn't have to. Because he's got guys around him that clearly can pick up the slack for him. Even that right side's not horrible. Bogosian kind of had some issues in buffalo winnipeg but it seemed to have found a spot with tampa bay chernak a young up-and-coming defenseman i think him and sergachev as a pair going forward would be great and then chat and kirk again a, like a, him as a third pair defenseman on a playoff team is kind of the perfect role for him because he doesn't need to be that top guy and then annette obviously you got andre vasilevsky i think that's tampa bay's biggest advantage is that whether it's grice or varlamov They have the goaltending advantage. Andrei Vasilevsky should be outplaying either of those goalies. But I think it's going to be a fascinating series. And at this point, it doesn't really like these teams are so banged up, so tired that it's not really really a surprise no matter who wins. But either way, especially them going to Edmonton, I think that was a – that was a pretty big move, and I like that they're all in the same place now, and you can spread them out, and you play every other day, because I really didn't like those back-to-backs in the first two rounds. I think that's just not playoff hockey. I think you can schedule it enough. I mean, the first round, I kind of understand you have a lot of, especially even the qualifying round, but that's still tough on teams, like, especially because this is playoff hockey. This is I think everyone who watches hockey, or anyone that will you'll talk to, that you show them a regular season game and a playoff game, it's completely different. An NBA game can look the same on a, like, random Saturday night compared to a playoff game, just because it's kind of played in the same style. But but hockey's just different, and just the physicality of it. And you know after, after this is over, there's going to be some ridiculous... Oh, like, I remember the one that i think a lot of hockey fans remember and just think of when i think of playoff hockey is patrice bergeron one year and the bruins played with like a collapsed lung and played through the stanley cup final and then after got it taken care of like that's ridiculous if you had a collapsed lung like i think most people would agree that you would be in the hospital and even uh like appendectomy is just so ab uh what was the last time appendectomy was like in the stanley cup finals and one of the years pittsburgh and detroit played in 2008 and 2009 one of the players on the red wings had an appendectomy and within like a few days was playing in a stanley cup final game and he might have scored too like that's how that's just how crazy hockey players are that they're willing to do that so yeah third round we're all in edmonton now and i think i think one spot's good. I think it's definitely going to be good for the ice, especially those first two rounds. You could tell if you're the last game of the day on that ice, it's it's pretty rough. But let's move on to the NBA because again, got a lot of games to cover. This one, I'm not going to go by day. I'm just going to go by the series so far. So the last time, the last time I talked was game six was coming up for Uh, Houston Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City pulled out that one 104 100 not nothing from Houston side it's just and it's true that they're just they're just going to shoot threes I know Russell Westbrook doesn't and I think that's really good but even like Harden like James Harden goes three for 11 from three still gets 32 points Eric Gordon one for six. Westbrook goes one for two. I think you're fine with that. Covington four for six. P.J. Tucker three for seven. I think those are decent shooting performances. And again, you're only going so deep in your bench. Jeff Green, Ben McElmore, uh Danielle House, and Austin Rivers are the only guys to play. And it's not like they're playing crazy minutes. Harden played thirty nine. Tucker Covington both played thirty eight. Westbrook. They're kind of still trying to get him back up to speed at this point. Plays twenty seven, Gordon thirty-five. Then that bench, like only House plays thirty minutes, Green eighteen, Rivers twelve, and Macklemore four. And then you go over to this this Thunder team who they're just so much fun together and they just make so much sense as a team. When you got I mean, Chris Paul obviously if he's putting up twenty eight points, seven rebounds, three assists. Which is not really what you'd expect. Also three steals. He's a plus 20. I know plus minus isn't really that important. But I think that's such an outrageous number. Especially the rest of their starting lineup. Was Gallinari minus 2. Adams minus 4. Gilgis Alexander minus 5. Dort minus 2. And no one else. Gallinari scored 25. Dort 13. uh, Gilgis Alexander 10. Adams 6. Not really anything. Terrace Ferguson. I mean, only played five minutes, no points. Baisley, eight points. Noel two. And then Dennis Schroeder, who I think this three-guard 3, three uh, guard lineup has really worked in spouts for the Thunder, especially in this series when you don't really have to worry about size. It's not like you have a center to worry about. But Dennis Schroeder, I mean, 12 points, eight rebounds, two assists, and a block. It's not bad. It's, I mean, you're forcing game seven. It's your season on the line. And I mean, everyone, this is when everyone came for the Chris Paul, not hype train, but just the respect because he's a playoff performer. I mean, he does have the tendency to get hurt, but I think even beating this team, beating your old team to force a game seven was pretty huge for Chris Paul, which is where we get to game seven. Rockets win. 104-102 I mean everyone really loves to talk about James Harden and how horrible he is on defense he made the defensive stop to win the game but if you look at the Thunder first I think the story for sure has to be Lou Dort he scores 30 points in a game seven is the highest score on his team Paul and Gilgis Alexander both have 19 Adams with 10 I mean, Gallinari disappeared. He had four points, nine rebounds. Hall, 19 points, but still 12 assists, 11 rebounds. One of the oldest people, one of the oldest players to have a triple double in a game seven. Steven Adams, 10 points. I think that's got to be the real disappointment for this Thunder team. Is that Steven Adams? You don't just feed him down low and just let him dominate because it's not like. I mean, P.J. Tucker is a really good defender, but if you just throw the ball up to him, Adams can make a play for you. And then on the bench, they only played three guys off their bench. Truder, 12 points in 35 minutes. Nerlens, Noel, Darius, but it's a game seven. You kind of need to, like Chris Paul, Gildas Alexander, 41, or Paul, 40, Gildas Alexander, 41 minutes. Dort, 34. Adams, uh, sorry, Dort, 35. Adams, 34 just the Thunder kind of disappeared. They're still a young team. And I think going forward, I, I don't really know what, what their plan is. Cause I know a lot of people are just on the, Oh, they should just trade Chris Paul and see what they can get for him. But I think, especially when I talked about it in hockey, I don't think this is the year to panic and make a move like that. I think if I'm this Thunder team, you took this rock, this clearly talented Rockets team to seven and, it's not like if you look around at these performances, Robert Covington, Eric Gordon, both score 21. Westbrook scores 20. Harden scores 17. Again, James Harden's just not a playoff performer, although he makes the game-winning block. I mean, three rebounds, nine assists, two steals, three blocks. It's all-around pretty good game, which is not something I don't think a lot of people would have expected from James Harden. Even P.J. Tucker, 5 points. Jeff Green, 13. House, 7. Rivers, 0. It was just kind of an all-around scoring effort for the Rockets, which I think has been definitely a theme for them in the playoffs. I don't think... I think James Harden can have those games if he scores 40 points, but you don't always need him to. So the Rockets move on. They're playing the Lakers and we'll get back to that series, but the last time I recorded was game six, Denver, Utah. And then we had this amazing game seven. It's amazing because of just how it happened. If 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 you just told me that was the score, I'd be like, okay, they got through three quarters. Final score, eighty to seventy eight for Denver. Not And, again, Denver, I think Jamal Murray, after that three-game streak he had, I think having a night off, 17 points, two rebounds, four assists, not crazy. Again, but it's not like anybody else in the team. If you look at everybody else, Michael Porter Jr., 10 points, Craig, 7, Gary Harris just kind of coming back from injury, 4 points, Monte Morris, 7, jeremy grant three paul Millsap two but the real difference maker in this game and he made the game winning shot four for four from the line two for five from the three like 12 of 23 shooting only jamal murray took 20 shots besides nikola Jokic, who scores 30 points with 14 rebounds and four assists that's that's really all you can ask from your number one player and if they're kinda of going back and forth of who their best player is. I think it's good for the future. I don't think this is the year for them, but I think this playoff experience is gonna be nothing but good for them. And then you look on the other side and I feel really bad for this team because they're missing Boyan Bogdanovich, who oh not Boy Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um he was a twenty point scorer. He was the second leading scorer behind Donovan Mitchell during the season. Donovan Mitchell just plays his heart out. And you could see it after they lost, and he just collapsed on the floor. 22 points, 9 rebounds, 1 assist. He's not really a facilitator, but then you look at the rest of the... Like, Rudy Gobert, sure, 19 points, 18 rebounds, 2 blocks. Very impressive, for sure. You can't can't doubt that. Jordan Clarkson, 10 points off the bench. Niang, 6. Juwan Morgan, 1. Royce O'Neal, 5. And then the real... The two problems for this utah team in this game joe ingles seven points eight rebounds five assists he almost out he out rebounded him his own scoring and almost out assisted i think joe ingles needed to be the second option on this team i'm sure you can say it's gobert so then he needs to be your third option because mike Connolly, eight points four rebounds seven assists three steals a decent line score not for a game seven he goes two for 13 shooting one for six from three misses that three for the win which I don't know maybe it's just me but in a game seven you've scored 78 points I don't think I'm taking a three at that point I think I would try to get the most high percentage shot and just try to push it to overtime maybe at that point they just kind of knew our season's either done here or we're going to keep going. They just kind of made that decision for themselves. Which is tough. It was a great series. Utah was up 3-1. They're actually the first team to blow a 3-1 series lead since the 2016 Warriors, the 73-9 and team. I mean, it sucks to lose Utah, but they'll be back next year. And I think that Western Conference next year, I mean, obviously... I'll talk about it once it comes time to it, but that's going to be a thrilling race for that season, especially if they consider bringing back the 8 9 playing game. All right, next up, the series that has changed so much over the last few days. Game two, Boston Toronto. Boston wins 102 99. Jason Tatum, just outrageous, 34 points eight rebounds, six assists. He don't, he's the best player in the series. He's proven it, and I think it's only – I mean, he needs to keep proving it, which is the unfortunate part of him being so young. But I think this team scoring is definitely like Marcus Smart, 19. He's been playing so well in this series. Kemba Walker, 17. Jalen Brown, 16. Even Robert Williams, who were, at this point, we have to be pretty sure that he's hurt. He scores 11. Ty scores three points. But he just makes such an impact. Nine rebounds, two assists, three blocks. He makes a difference on the floor. I mean, then I think the real problem with the Celtics is not having Gordon Hayward. Because I think if they had Hayward right now, I think you stick with that start, starting lineup and have... Hayward come in for a few minutes to give Tatum a rest, to give Jalen Brown a rest, because now it's Sammy Ojulari, Grant Williams, Brad Wanamaker, who Wanamaker you kind of need to give minutes to, just because people are we still unsure about Campbell Walker's knee and if he can hold on or not. But those three guys off the bench, between the three of them, combined two points. Grant Williams the only one getting a basket during that game. Now the real thing with this game was Toronto. OG Ananobi, twenty points. He leads the team. Fred Van Vliet, nineteen. Kyle Lowry sixteen. Siakam seventeen. Marcus six. Who just the first two games of this series was definitely Jekyll and the I mean between the first four games, the first two for Toronto Jekyll and Hyde. Boucher zero points. Not that you really need a scoring out boost, outburst. Uh, Ibaka seventeen norm powell four points terrence davis comes in for a few minutes zero points and i think this is when this is not that it's the exact same as last year with toronto and milwaukee but this is definitely boston i think deserved the credit of they've dominated the series and it kind of looks like they're on their way to a sweep and you need kyle lowry to play better i mean 16 points uh five rebounds seven assists four steals not horrible. 0 for 7 from 3. I think that's where the Raptors' problems were. Marcus Gasol 0 for, 0 for 2. Siakam 1 for 4 from 3. You need these guys to to really step up. Van Vliet 3 for 12. They just, they're a good shooting team, but they just couldn't figure it out in those first two games. Which is where we get to Game 3, which has now become this real legendary thing. I want to talk about the Celtics first because they had such a good such a good scoring outburst in those first two games that game 3 was kind of the letdown not I don't think a lot of people expected but Kemba Walker still amazing 29 points he has that ridiculous pass to Tyce at the end of the game and then from there Jalen Brown 19 Jason Tatum 15 11 from Marcus Smart like it's it's a it was a rough game for the Celtics to say the least. You go to their bench; they they went a lot deeper into the bench this game. Semi Ojale, three points. Grant Williams five points. Ennis Cantor four points. Robert Williams three points. Brad Wanamaker five points. I mean, you need decent scoring from your bench, but then the real thing here is Taco Fall plays zero minutes and it's a minus three, which I I don't we'll we'll get to that moment, but. For the Raptors, this was the Kyle Lowry game, and they needed it to be. Terrence Davis doesn't play, which I don't... I mean, it makes sense why he didn't, because Kyle Lowry played 46 of 48 minutes. And, again, I mean, Lowry 31, Van Vliet 25, Siakam 16, OG Ananobi 12, which he had 9 points for... 47 minutes of the game marcus 10 powell 8 Ibaka 2 matt thomas comes in for six minutes gets two rebounds and that's it this all comes down to the last last few seconds of the game kemba walker kind of drives the lane gets double teamed siakam slides to cover the shooter for three tice cuts back door has an easy easy i was about to say touchdown an easy basket Easy slam dunk. So the Raptors call a timeout. you got .5 seconds. What do you do? The Celtics bring in Taco Fall, which I think was, I think you could say it's the biggest mistake of the game. He's, not that he's not skilled, not that he's not a good player, but you bring him in for just to stand in front of the ball, and as he's walking out there, every coach, every player seems like they're explaining to him what to do in this situation. And I just think you don't bring a cold player in who hasn't been in the flow of the game at all. Marcus Hole does kind of I mean, watching it again, he does tie up Jalen Brown, which I didn't notice the first time I watched. Shout out to shout out to Stefan. He he told me about that and gets the perfect pass. OG and Anobi, point five seconds left, gets a shot off, bangs home the three, and we have a whole new series. OG and Anobi again, very stoic kind of walks away from that shot after the game and gets asked about it he says I don't shoot to miss and I think that's that's a perfect reaction especially him he's so just a a low-key doesn't need the spotlight a lot of people are calling him Kawhi Leonard which I don't think is fair I think he is a talented player like him I think if the Raptors go on go on to I don't know, maybe even the finals. I think he gets compared, he'll gets he get compared to Kawhi even more just because of his defensive ability. And you could see athletically in his shooting that he has the tools to be there. I don't know if he ever will, but he's definitely got the ability to. The Raptors win this game, I think, between Game 2 and 3. to deserve to win one of them. I don't think it was this one. Again, Lowry Van Vliet, 31 and 25 points, but... Lowry, 2 for 8 from 3. Van Vliet, 5 for 13. Both shot decent from the free throw line. They just... They needed them to have those games. They needed every single point they got to even have a chance. Which I think was scary going into Game 4. Which, Game 4 was definitely a more handily. 1. 193. Oh, yeah, wait. The Game 3 score, which I'm sure everyone knows, 104-103, an absolute miracle, or just bad defense by Boston to not cover a three, because it's the only way you could lose. Game four, this is a whole new series, Raptors win 193, Tatum, better game, 24 points, one for six from three, Daniel Tice, eight points, Kemba Walker, 15, Jalen Brown, 14, he goes two for 11 from three. Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart both won for six I think this was definitely a backcourt battle the Raptors won then you go to their bench Ojala seven points Grant Williams four Robert Williams six Brad Wanamaker seven I think it's a lot better they didn't put Enes Cantor out there I don't think he can be out there in this series because the few minutes that he was in game three they just put him in pick and roll and he just is a good defender or a good offensive player and a good rebounder but just defensively, he's just not strong enough, especially against this Raptors team that moves the ball so well and their bigs move a lot better than he does. So Boston really really didn't play well, but the Raptors. Pascal Siakam finishes with 23 points. He goes 2 for 13 from 3. But, I mean, the real scoring outburst. Again, Kyle Lowry, 22, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Great game siakam 11 rebounds as well but it was Serge bach off the bench 18 points seven for nine four for four from three uh, uh powell five five points nothing crazy again matt thomas comes in for a few minutes just to kind of give lowry van vliet breathers better shooting game lowry goes four for ten from three van vliet five for eleven van vliet scores 17 points Gasol, 4 points. OG Ananobi, 11 points. Which I think OG, uh, OG and Gasol are really the answer for the Raptors in this series. Because you know, I mean, Lowry you know is going to show up. Van Vliet is at least going to take those shots. Siakam, this whole series, you don't really know. It's pretty unpredictable. And game fives tonight. This is the swing game of the series really is all the momentum's on the rapper's side especially the higher seed, and just I think you're getting a better performance out of Boston they're definitely going to shoot better so this is where you need Gasol and and Ananobi to step up it's where you need Siakam to maintain where he was Lowry and Van Vliet been good shooting better and they need to win that backcourt battle against Smart and Brown. Uh, not Smart and Brown. Uh, Walker and Smart. And I think Terrence Davis needs a few minutes off the bench, because I mean, I know it's the playoffs, so Siakam can play forty-six minutes, VanVleet forty-five, Lowry forty-four. But I mean, if you really don't trust Davis, then I guess you can't have him out there. But I think he's a good. Like in those Matt Thomas minutes, why not give him two or three minutes to see what he can do? And if you really can't just pull him, then you give one of your other guards a breather. I think these are two quick-witted coaches that know what they're doing, and I think this is going to be these final two or three games, I think, are going to be a real chess match. Next series up. Actually, no, I didn't get any of these games in, so we got four games to talk about here. Miami-Milwaukee, game one. Jimmy Butler scores 40 points. Ridiculous. 27 from Dragic. Then you even go to their Ben, or uh, Bam Adebayo, 12 points. Hero, 11. They just have really balanced scoring. Jay Crowder, 9. Duncan Robinson doesn't really shoot that much. 4 points. Olenek, 4 points. Kendrick Nunn, 6. Andre Iguodala, 2. I think they have Iguodala for just defensive reasons. Milwaukee, Giannis, I I really didn't like the series at first just because I knew once Milwaukee lost game one, I think rumors and stuff were going to start about, oh, Giannis is going to want out of Milwaukee, and Miami is a pretty obvious choice to join, just not even because they're beating you, just because they're such a well-put-together team with good rookies on good contracts, so they could probably get the money somewhere for him Chris Middleton better game he's definitely the last pretty much after the first couple of games of that Orlando series has just played like the second best player they're still only playing Middleton and Anno, and Anstacumbo both play 37 minutes which for a playoff game I know you trust your bench but I just you got to run them out for 40 40 minutes plus like even if you go I guess even Miami, 38 for Bam Adebayo, 36 for Jimmy Butler. Eh, I guess they trust their bench enough, but if you look at Olenek, Iguodala, Nunn, and Hero coming off the bench compared to Milwaukee's Marvin Williams, Frank Mason III, Kyle Korver, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, I think you trust that Miami bench, and I think it's a tighter rotation, and it worked out in the first three games of the series brooke lopez 24 george hill matthews williams mason Connaughton, divincenzo all under 10 points kyle corver scores 11 miami just dominates this game it was the jimmy butler fourth quarter especially i think tyler hero played 29 minutes and he's 20 years old like it's that's crazy that he's out there in these moments especially we'll get to game four but He's out there in crunch time making big decisions, making huge shots. Game 2, definitely a lot closer. 116-114 Miami. Milwaukee, Giannis, 29 points, 14 rebounds, 3 assists. Chris Middleton, 23. This is definitely a more balanced scoring game because Brooke Lopez, 16. Same with Eric Bledsoe, 14 from George Hill. Then that bench, Connaughton, 2, DiVincenzo, 0, Marvin Williams, 4, Corver 6, Wesley Matthews, 6. Like You can't have a starter scoring 4 points in a playoff game because then you go to Miami starters, 23 from Dragic, 16 from Jay Crowder, 15 from Bam Adebayo, 13 from Jimmy Butler, 13 from Duncan Robinson, 17 from Tyler Hero, 32 minutes off the bench, Kelly Olenek, 11. Ikudala 4 Derek Jones Jr. Kendrick Nunn 2 Not great, but also It's a playoff game You need all the points you can get At least their starters are scoring well and Not that you can ever hold Giannis in check But they're doing the best they can I think Bam Adebayo is the perfect Defender for him Then we move on Game 3 again This series looks like it's over 115, 100 for Miami. Uh, just from Milwaukee side, 22 points from Brooke Lopez is their leading scorer. 21 from Giannis. 18 from Middleton. 13 from George Hill. 10 from DiVincenzo. Eric Bledsoe with eight. Wesley Matthews with six. George, uh, said George Hill. And then marvin williams a two kyle korver pat Connaughton. pat Connaughton only played one minute but kyle korver zero points takes one three do you need him to shoot at least a couple more than that and then you go to miami again that deep only two players didn't play for miami i know only three didn't play for milwaukee but even this game vincent comes in for just garbage time myers leonard comes in for a few minutes and then the starters again Jimmy Butler with thirty, Bam with twenty, Crowder seventeen, Dragic fifteen, Hero thirteen, Derek Jones Jr. and Gudalo with six, and Kendrick Nunn with two. They just have way more balanced scoring than Milwaukee. Milwaukee's relying on Giannis, and if you draft these, if you draft this series, you take Giannis first, then you probably take Butler, Adebayo, probably Dragic in the series. It's just. Two two teams that rely so differently on their stars. Jimmy Butler can score 30 points, but he also scored 13 points, and they still won. Milwaukee needs Giannis and Middleton to show up every night, or else they don't really have enough depth scoring. Finally, game four from yesterday. Milwaukee keeps their season alive. Giannis only plays the first half, 19 points. Chris Middleton, 48 points. Or, 48 points. 48 minutes, 36 points. This is definitely a better depth scoring game. It's almost like once they lost Giannis, they just knew everyone needed to step up. Giannis is still their second leading scorer. Lopez and Bledsoe both with 14. George Hill, 12. DiVincenzo, 10. Uh marvin williams five kyle corver wesley matthews both three Connaughton two it's amazing they won this game but it was really just because chris middleton really stepped up in that fourth quarter and overtime and on the miami side it's still bam 26 duncan robinson 20 crowder 18 butler and Dragic who have been the two best players who have been two of the best players in this series both with 17 hero again 11 points and then none, Olenek with three, Jones Jr., Iguodala, zero points. I mean, Iguodala did play 22 minutes, so I think compared to him and Derek Jones Jr., Derek Jones Jr. is just a zero everywhere. He got a steal, but zeroes everywhere else. I think Miami will win this series. I think Giannis is still not ruled out for game five. He sprained his ankle, tried to come back. It just, it just didn't work. I think... You can put them in limited minutes, especially crunch time, but I think Miami's depth and their shooting is just too good for this Milwaukee team. Even though they're the best team in the league this year, but the playoffs just doesn't matter. Now let's go over to the West. First up, Clippers Nuggets game one. Clippers win 120 to 97. Kawhi Leonard 29. Paul George 19, Marcus Morris 18, and then they definitely, I mean, they played their whole bench. Uh, Harrell 15, Lou Williams 10, Beverly 8, Michael Green 7. They just, I kind of like that they played their whole bench, and so did Denver. These teams don't really have enough rest, and even if it's a few minutes, Denver was just kind of... just kind of shut down so, Uh anyways um Denver just kind of balanced scoring I guess you call it even bull, bull played for a few minutes because I mean it was a blow it wasn't even close Jokic 15 Millsap 13 Jeremy Grant Jamal Murray Monte Morris all scored 12 and Then besides that Gary Harris Michael Porter jr. Score five. Oh, I forgot about PJ Dozier Score six, but again, this is garbage time. Plumley scores Plumley and Bull Bull both score four. Keda Bates Diop even got in. He scored a point. Just the Clippers are playing them playing together really for the first time since they've been a team. And I think it's really showing. I think that Denver or the Dallas team really tested them enough that they are kind of figuring they almost it almost helped them figure themselves out. Which is not the same for game two. Game two, Denver wins 110, 101. Kawhi Leonard, a quiet playoff game. Paul George scores 22. Kawhi still tied as their second leading scorer with Lou Williams, 13 points. Or sorry, not even. Uh Zubats, 15. Leonard 13. Leonard and uh Lou Will both thirteen, Morris eleven, Pat Beverly only scores two points. Jermichael Green and Montrez Harrell both scored ten. Reggie Jackson three. Terrence Mann doesn't didn't even he didn't even play a minute. Landry Shamet two points. Especially then when you go to the other side, Jamal Murray twenty seven points. Jokic twenty six points, eighteen rebounds. That's. That's a crazy game from both of them. Definitely shortened up their bench. Only Plumlee, Porter Jr., uh, Craig, and Monte Morris played. Not Grant, five points. Gary Harris definitely played a lot better, 13 points. Four for seven from three. Paul Millsap, just a reliable veteran presence. Michael Porter Jr., who, not that he should be in the starting lineup. I don't think he deserves it, but I definitely like him as a scorer in the future. Especially if he stays with this team, Monte Morris ten, Plumlee two, Torrey Craig three. Just a better all-around performance by by this Denver team, and I mean, I think the Clippers ultimately win the series, but I think Denver had has had like that first game really wasn't good, but they're coming off such a thrilling game seven victory that they must have been a little gassed jamal murray even said it in an interview after the game that they played on tuesday they got a day off and then they said oh you play thursday and he was so shocked and just kind of defeated by the fact that they didn't even get that much time off before they had to go play the clippers who arguably the best at this point arguably the best team i'd say miami probably is but the clippers are definitely playing themselves into that conversation Which is where we get to the last series now. Game 1. Houston wins. 112-97. I didn't look at the 3 point numbers for this game. But now that I do. Houston goes 14 for 39. 35%. James Harden scores 36 points. You kind of expect that. This is where again turns into rest versus rust. It hurt the Nuggets in game 1. It hurt. The Lake the rest actually hurt the Lakers in game one. I mean, Harden thirty-six, Russell Westbrook twenty four, Eric Gordon twenty-three. Besides that, House or not even House. Uh, Rivers, ten points. Uh Green, seven points. PJ Tucker, Robert Covington, six points. Then three guys who uh two guys that only really played a few minutes. Daniel House scored or played twenty minutes and missed three threes. On the Lakers side, Davis 25, LeBron 20, kind of quieter games for sure, definitely compared to the first couple games of the series, or the game game two of the series. For them, I think it's really they kind of only J.R. Smith didn't play. Crusoe Waiters, Rondo Howard, Dudley, Kyle Kuzma. Markeith Morris, who played a lot better in game two. They just didn't have a good game and the Rust Rust really hurt them and the Rockets being in that competitive series with the Thunder and having guys that that could actually guard Harden. Like who's can't have Davis and LeBron covering James Harden for a whole game. They need one of those guards to really step up. I think having Rondo back is great, but I don't know if it's enough. At least just holding hard. and I mean, Game 2 obviously is a bit more. 117, 109 for the Lakers. Davis, 34 points, 10 rebounds. LeBron, almost a triple-double. 28 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. 4 steals, 2 blocks. And I mean, it was the bench that really... Again, Markeith Moore, 16 points. Kyle Kuzma, 13. Rondo, 10. Uh, Dana Green, 9 points still. Just 3 for 5 from 3. It's good. It's not good enough. Caldwell Pope five points. Crusoe two points. Waiter's only out there for a few minutes. Javale McGee only out there played eight minutes. I wonder if they just can't. You can't play centers in this series, and this is where. Not that I lost respect for Anthony Davis because he is a great player, and I understand the him wanting to be a power forward. I don't want to be a center, but. Really, what's the what's the hurt of uh, just being a center? Especially, I get it if you're playing like Rudy Gobert or Jokic, but in this Rocket series, especially if they win and they play the Clippers, who, who's covering Anthony Davis? Like Montrez Harrell, sure, but that means you're playing the center spot. I, I don't think it's a big deal. Basketball now is positionless. I don't know why he really cares about what position he's called lebron james is a point guard he's listed as a small forward going over the rockets harden 27 air Gordon 24 been definitely a more reliable scorer uh pj tucker 18 robert covington 17 westbrook would have like four points and five fouls finished with 10 points 13 rebounds not enough especially from the bench Jeff Green, Ben Michael Moore, Austin Rivers, nothing. At least House got on the board, 13 points. But I think going forward, I think they don't really have anybody that can cover Anthony Davis or LeBron James. Just like the Lakers don't have anybody that can cover James Harden. But I think the one guy for having the Lakers not being able to cover one guy from the Rockets. Is definitely a lot different, even though it's James Harden. He's one of the best five players in the league, or whatever. It's still, it's still two guys in the Lakers, two top five guys in this league, and I think the Lakers are gonna pull out the series. I think Houston's gonna try to shoot their way into it, even to win it. But I just don't think eventually. I just don't think it's gonna be enough. So we will. I will have new episode Friday. It'll be post first game of the NFL season. Houston, Kansas City. We'll have some more playoff action, but before that Wednesday will be NFL preview. Going through, I'll go through odds for the division, over-unders. I have one question for every team. And yeah. Uh, other than that, you can follow subscribe everything that's in the description my twitter will be there instagram uh my blog still doing daily picks i'm gonna kind of i'm gonna expand it a bit for once football season starts i'll do a little more deep dives for games uh or uh, just regular picks on sundays but thursday monday there'll be a little more deep dive and uh daily picks. still mlb nba nhl i'm expanding that a bit just for uh just for the conference finals and finals because it's less games more to write about and uh yeah that's all and uh we will see you next time